0: The following contains plot spoilers and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show.
1: In a world filled with many deep existential problems, two men decided the best solution was a podcast about superheroes. This is totally super. Dun dun dun!
0: Dun dun Welcome dun, dun, to dun Totally dun. super. My name is Justin.
1: And I'm Arthur. And today is a big day, guys. This a is a big day. Uh, I'm really fascinated by what, uh, by this. I, uh, I really want to hear your thoughts on this film.
0: As we've talked about in the past, uh, The Crow is an important film uh, to me, personally, on a personal level. It's a film that I saw, I kid you not, 17 times in the theater. Really? Really?
1: Oh, that's, that's so cool. Um, uh,
0: it is, uh, it is a film, uh, that came out in 1994. Um, and, uh, if, if we may, if we can take the Wayback Machine for a moment to 1994, Justin, um, uh, I am, uh, coming, uh, out of my senior year in high school. I am in the middle of a, uh, of a deeply emotional, um, often troubled romance. Self-righteous about how good I am. Um, my my claim to fame uh, with my um, ex-girlfriends at the time would be that, that any other man was awful and evil. And in point of fact, um, uh, without getting too personal, because I never know who's listening, um, uh, there were... Let's just say there were problems, uh, that made me feel like, like, like me, good rest of world filled with bad men out to hurt my, my beloved who won't give me the time of day. So, um, uh, right around this time, uh, when this movie comes out, uh, this movie stays in theaters for a long time. And, uh, and where I was living at the time, uh, in Gaithersburg, Maryland, there was still a dollar theater. Um... And, uh, and when my, uh, oh, sorry, just real quick,
1: the yeah. movie that we're talking about is The Crow.
0: Yes. Oh, hi. Yeah. The Crow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah the yeah, Crow. You should have known. We're, we're reviewing The Crow. Reviewing I mean, the you crow. probably saw it in the title of the podcast, but she's but, like, yeah, that's we're talking what we're doing. About so, the crow.
0: so, so when, when my then girlfriend goes to Beach Week. Oh, this won't end poorly at all. When she, uh, when she goes, uh, to Beach Week and asks me not to go, um, and I'm, I'm at home. Uh I uh found this movie. I had already seen this movie once, but I found it at the Dollar Theater, and I would go to see it sometimes usually I'd find someone to go to see it with me. Once or twice I saw it just by myself. Um uh it the Dollar Theater for Buck twenty five. Uh mm-hmm. and and in it uh I I poured all and a lot of this is my own insecurity. The the girl it turned out to be a lovely woman. We're still friends. Um but at the time uh I just poured all of my insecurity into this this story of of the only righteous man in a dark world who had like one friend who's also pretty good and then everywhere else women good men good and victimized men bad and out to hurt people especially women and Mm -hmm. i will save the women with my dark self-righteousness
1: um, so <laughs> the, the important s- is that the important is hindsight, self-awareness. <laughs> I know. So
0: of course, uh, follow the girl to college. Um, of course get uh, like summarily dumped in the first like three and a half weeks. So now I'm at, yeah. now I'm at a college uh, where where she is socially able and I am socially unable, um, as anyone mm-hmm. who knows me knows. Uh, so as I sink into my quagmire of, of trying to prove that I'm not funny, preppy Justin, um, I start wearing all black. Of course, we know what I was for Halloween that year. Um, <laughs> um, and really, this was this movie sort of became like my manifesto. Poster is up in the walls, just absolutely. Um, embodied uh, maybe everything that was wrong with me in 1994.
1: I think that's really cool that you both loved this film and yet looking back on it, uh, your thoughts are just like, you know, maybe some of the reasons why I love this film were not exactly the healthiest in the world because even watching that, to me, this is not a superhero film. Um, Except that however, it totally is. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing is that it's just like I think here's where we're going to be talking about to, to us uh, some of our definitions of superhero might be a little bit fluid or flexible, which I'm all about. Um, so, yeah, and I'll admit I literally just saw this for the first time a few days ago. Uh,
0: oh, really?
1: Yeah, which is right, why so I think it, this is going to be your, great. Yeah, your first I mean, impression, I it it. like it was great. without
0: without giving it a rating, um, like. I, no, let's let people. People can wait to see whether or not you like what, like whether or not you like yeah. it. I, I don't want to. I will say
1: that I, I will say the Save big me. thing with it is knowing you, knowing your work as an actor and a director. I'm watching it and I'm just like, oh man, I can absolutely see how this is. I can totally see how Justin's style evolved from a deep love of this film and it's Oh time. yeah,
0: it's it's such an influence. There's there's so much. Yeah. So let's um as as we do. We talked about when it came out. Um uh uh. Let me um first we'll talk. I guess first, really briefly, about the production of the film because you have to, um, because mm. this this film is famous for one thing above all
1: others. For one thing, which I really do want to, oh man, it's it's what keeps uh, um, me up at night.
0: It's the uh, it's the onset death of its lead, Brandon Lee. Um, if you didn't know, um, uh, the man who plays the crow, uh, the man who plays Eric Draven, is the son of Bruce Lee. Um, uh, Bruce Lee, who died. Um, on the set of making his last film of, uh, of, um, abdominal problems. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: his son, Brandon, uh, started coming up, uh, had a couple of movies that I really like. Showdown a little Tokyo is so fun. Um, rapid fire, which I had seen, I was kind of a fan of the guy already and kind of a rising, you know, action martial arts star, which I, you know, it's a, it's a kind of film that I like. I love, I love martial arts with guns. My favorite. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, so I was following this guy coming up um, and then uh, when they were shooting uh, his death scene um, at the beginning of the movie, uh, because of course the movie about a guy comes back from the dead. We'll talk about it. um, The, uh, they had done all of the big action pieces and they had uh, kind of gotten rid of the most expert person in firearms. Uh, on the set and they were doing what was supposed to be a simple gag with blanks. What happened uh, because the gun was not properly checked because they had let go the guy uh, for the sake of budget. It was a low budget film. Um, uh, There were two shots that were supposed to kill uh, Eric Draven. The first shot, uh, the first blank went off, but the, uh, but the casing that was supposed to come out of the gun got jammed in the chamber of the gun. When the second blank went off, it fired the, the casing, through the barrel of the gun, like a bullet, into Brandon Lee's uh, chest. Um, and he died.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, this it- is, as a fight choreographer, this is stuff that literally keeps me up at night. Uh, because this is the fact that somebody died from this is rare. The fact that People working on films and shows don't hire people who really, really know what they're doing is not rare at all. Uh, this is incredibly common. Kelly and I both worked in a dinner theater, even uh, here in town, where there's like it's a gangster thing and there's like a shootout at the end, and they just gave uh, cap guns to the wait staff to just fire down towards the stage. And the number of times that we would go to them and just say, are these people trained in this? You know, can we even look at the guns? They're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. They're not, they're not blank guns. They're, they're just cap guns. It's totally fine. They're, they're blank guns. And th- I, I cannot stress enough, there is no such thing as a perfectly safe gun, even a prop gun. It just doesn't exist. Um,
0: yep. Even a gun that it- lacks the ability to fire because there are real guns. And, mm-hmm. and a gun that lacks the ability to fire for a film set is designed to look like a real gun. It has Which happened. Which
1: means you can pick up the wrong gun. No.
0: Yes, it has happened. Yeah. People have picked up someone's personal gun thinking it was a prop gun. It has happened. Um, of course, this is uh, this is doubly haunting because of the subject matter of the film. Uh, yeah. In that it's a film about somebody giving their final message from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it. Uh, the film was uh, was n- probably 60-70% of the way done. Um, the action stuff was done. Uh, a lot of the personal stuff had not yet been shot. Um, and some of it was half done. So, uh, so uh, there's an instance of him crawling out of the grave. That's real. Him walking through an alley, that's real. But then when he walks into his apartment, they had not yet finished that. So you can actually find the shot when he's walking into the alley up to the dumpster to pick up his shoes. And then 45 seconds later, it's the same shot with him digitally cut out walking into a room. A lot of p- first-person point-of-view shots. Um, mm-hmm. I dare say this is awful. Um, what they creatively came up with to solve this problem, I think, maybe is a, is a better choice than maybe what they would have done originally.
1: Um, they did considering the absolute horrible situation they had to work with, they did a very admirable job because I honestly watching this film uh you know and then reading when exactly he was killed, I was like, oh well, clearly they must have been shooting that last because you know everything else is although I did notice sometimes one of my issues with the film was there was sometimes a lack of the I, I wanted more of his personal relationships. And I wonder if yeah. maybe there were some scenes that they had planned that they couldn't get to.
0: Oh, certainly. You're, I mean, you can tell it, it, there's a point where he gets uh, reunited with the character of Sarah in the middle of the film. Clearly, mm-hmm. they're hiding his face and, and shooting him from behind, and she's doing all the talking. I mean, it, it's, it's... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, the, that is the production of the film. Um, they did resume production. They uh, rewrote the script. Uh, they released the film. The film did very well. Uh, uh, it spawned a number of sequels and a TV show.
1: Um, oh, I didn't know about the TV show. All I know is that the the third sequel starred David Boreanaz.
0: It's sort D- David Boreanaz. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, it's and the, Kirsten Dunst has been in one. Edward Furlong. Um, the second one, The Crow: City of Angels, is a is a really interesting failure. Um, but it's it's a beautiful film. It's a really really good looking film. Totally different than this one, but is nonsensical. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, They never matched whatever it is they did with this film and did it right. Um, So uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to do uh, my two-minute plot summary. um, Go for it. And then we can go into it. Aspiring rocker uh, Eric Draven is getting married to his girlfriend, Shelley Webster. Uh, uh, They're planning to get married on uh, Halloween. Unfortunately, the night before Halloween in Detroit is known as Devil's Night, where the city gets set on fire by evil gangsters. Um, as part of retaliation for Shelley's attempt to resist their tenant relocation program, in that they were going to evict her and take over the building, uh, they, uh, the gangsters uh, led by T-Bird, including Tin Tin, Fun Boy, and Skank, all under the all under the uh, umbrella of Top Dollar, played by Michael Wincott, uh, break in, uh, rape. And murder Shelley and shoot and murder Eric Draven by throwing him out the window. One year later, Eric Draven returns from the grave um, and systematically kills off each of the murderers uh, and rapists uh, that accosted him, as well as their associates, Top Dollar, um, uh, and Tony Todd playing Tony Todd. And And each uh, one he does
1: in thematically appropriate ways, too.
0: uh, 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 and by and by the end, he faces off um, uh, with all the bad guys, destroying everyone in his path uh, before he is finally able to uh, rest and go back to uh, Darling Shelley, who has died. Um, he reunites with uh, Sarah, who was kind of his friend slash ward um, and uh, makes friends with Officer Albrecht, the heroic uh, Ghostbuster who uh, <laughs> who uh, had cared <laughs> for Shelley in her final hours. And that is the crow.
1: Yeah, very nicely done. Um, thank you. So shall uh, we shall we get into talking about it? Sure, um, or rather, I say, well then, in that case, fire it up.
0: Fire it up! Fire it up! It up! Fire
1: it! Up! Fire it up! Oh my god, that made me so happy. <laughs> in- <laughs> um,
0: so so let's t- let's talk about the prologue uh, to the film. First of all, no opening credits, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you know, you know, Miramax presents. It's just like Brandon Lee, The Crow, and yeah. right in. Um I what do you think about the way that there are no opening credits no big opening music um and we open in like we, we open in the aftermath of the murder uh uh how do you think I that liked affects
1: I like the uh, overall I liked the the thing is the the movie starts off at a good clip I love how it just starts off with the the child's voice saying something about you know the crow takes the souls from you know takes souls from the living world to the dead ones. And sometimes a soul can't let go. So they, you know, it's this nice sort of, it, it. it's just like a three or four sentence thing that pretty much says, this is the film. This is the world of the film. This is how the particular magic in the the world of this film works. Boom. And so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm on board. And then they just move right on into it. Uh, the thing that jumped out at me, I, I kind of like how they start it Actually, I love that they started after that action because there was. Part, I, I knew going into this film, okay, the inciting incident for this is a, you know, is a rape murder. And I was like, God, like that was the one part I was really not looking forward to having to watch. Um, and the fact that they didn't start the film with that, I was, I was, I was really appreciative of. Um, the, fil-
0: the film opens in a, showing this, this, I mean, clearly this isn't real Detroit. There are no skyscrapers. No. There are no This is this is like if Gotham City is New York, this is Newark. Um yeah. this is this is so the model work in this is so interesting. Um that uh the, it, there is a surreal feeling to every set and especially outside and I kind of the love The first
1: yeah, the first note I took on this film, the first thing that jumped out at me was like, wow. Everything about this film is a gothic anthem. Uh, yeah, absolutely. From the from the music, from the characters. Um, it's a '90s gothic. Let's be clear. It's yeah, '90s. A ni- gothic. Yeah, it's a '90s gothic. I mean, it, gothic it is by way the, of Trent Reznor. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is the '90s gothic anthem. You know, it's not gothic.
0: Uh, it's goth. That's what yeah, it sorry, is. Sorry,
1: that's what I'm. Yeah, it's a night. I mean, it is to me. I'm looking at this as like I might be looking at one of like the key goth films ever made. Uh Absolutely. and certainly the setting, uh, and the and yeah, and the, the 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 character of the city they do a very good job with.
0: Um, I think that uh, we are blessed with this film by the fact that CGI had not yet gotten to a point where it could replace this model work. Um, yes, uh, if this Agreed. had been made five years later, we would have gotten a more intricate, more in-depth view of of the cityscape, and instead. And it- they have have been wholly
1: uninteresting.
0: Yeah. So, um, so the compositing is not always when they're in that window, it's not always right. There's a point when he's playing guitar on a rooftop. Clearly the compositing isn't quite working like it should a point where he jumps off a rooftop.
1: It's not, but, but it's that very rough edge quality that lends to the goth Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I feel like if five years later, it would have looked cleaner and I might not have liked it as much because
1: goth is not polished.
0: Yeah. Very, very much. Um, uh, so I guess we need to like the the elephant's right in the room. So let's hit the most difficult thing in the film. We got to talk about it. For, uh, let's just put it up front so we can get to the rest of the film. Um, fridging, right?
1: Fridging, yeah. Oh, fridging. It, it, an absolute total fridge. Um, yeah, fridging being the trope of uh, basically any time a female uh, character who the protagonist is in love with or deeply friends with is killed off purely. For or brutalized, not just killed, or, off or, but brutalized, or brutalized, be brutalized, purely for the purposes of emotionally motivating the main character. Uh, I believe the original the trope namer came from Green uh, Ant Man. Uh, Ant was, Man oh, was it was Green Lantern. Oh, Green Lantern. No, you're you're right. It was Green Lantern. Where was Hal Jordan? Yeah, um, Hal Jordan's girlfriend for like decades in the comic. Mm-hmm. He comes home and basically finds her killed, cut up, and put in pieces in his fridge. Hence the term fridging. Uh, it is not considered a, uh, a progressive trope. And, uh, there are a lot of people, myself included, who are just like, yeah, the, the, the more that trope can be avoided, the better. Um, on the other hand, this was a nineties film and, and it's yeah. exactly it, as you, it's, it, it's, and also it's exactly as you said, like it was, this was for better or for worse, this was a film tailor made for exactly the kind of high schooler that, you know, you and to a certain degree, I was of we want to be the heroes who protect the helpless yeah. and, and the helpless is my are- girlfriend
0: and only I can do
1: it. She can't do it. Yeah.
0: Only mm-hmm. I can save her because from the evil men out there who want to sex her.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, it's uh, no, you you have to understand that. And yeah, <laughs> we are. Yeah. But uh, yes, I, I agree.
0: It's disempowering with, with, without a doubt. and, and mm-hmm. add to it the rape revenge fantasy um, which again, you know, it happens so much in late 80s, early 90s films um, where the female character is raped and then the male character goes and does things. I mean the, the, mm-hmm. this is you know, the, the trope that this is built off of is a series of films uh, that is inexplicably getting a remake uh, this year called Death Wish.
1: Um, Oh, my God. Yeah. Which Death Wish is literally one of those films that I would give a one star rating to in the and with the one star rating, meaning the world is a is a worse place for this film having been made. And yet this film, I don't feel like that's true, oddly enough, Um, No, because it's it's one of many from the era.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that uh, that we have to put on front street that uh, that no woman in this really gets to fight. Um, bai Ling, uh, uh, who, by all you know, like by all intents and purposes, is can do action, has done action, um, mm-hmm. is relegated to showing off her cleavage and running after a bird. Uh, Sarah, mm-hmm. for for all her gumption, needs to be cared for. Um, uh, Sarah's mom is is you know certainly pulled out of drugs, but but you know is
1: is encouraged to go basically go be a a, a mom. She- She's rescued by the guy just in a different way. She's She's rescued rescued by the guy who
0: says, go home and make eggs. Um, Get in the kitchen. Uh, I don't think any of this is on purpose. I don't think any of this is intentional. It's, you know, it's in some ways it's a very progressive uh, action film. Um, It's trying to progress, to move forward, but it's not as forward moving enough. Now, I think it's uncomfortable to us now in that all the action is done by men and all the women are – either fridged or they're kidnapped and they have to be saved or that, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. um, so, but now that we've established that this film is not wonder woman, uh, yes, let's, let's talk about the other aspects of it. Many of which we did like,
0: yes. Um, all of which, in my opinion, um, they did like, so we, the, as we move past the prologue, uh, we get through, um, zombie Eric's, uh, resurrection and we meet the bad guys. Let's start with the bad guys. Uh, what do you think of the, of, of, um, it, we'll, we'll leave the big bad guys for later. what do you think of the four, the four the bad four guys? Of them, well,
1: uh, all I'm thinking for one thing, I'll say every character in this film, I think literally every character is in no way a shade of gray. Everyone is the, every character is the most archetypical of their archetype. Um, and these guys are definitively the chaotic henchmen, uh, the I, when it, when it comes to talking about evil, it so help me, I always love going into Dungeons and Dragons alignment terms, uh, huh. in which there's like there's lawful evil, neutral evil, and chaotic evil. Lawful evil is usually evil for for a purpose of advancing oneself. Uh, Frank Underwood in House of Cards, perfect example of lawful evil. Uh, chaotic evil can be best defined by some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. The joke. And these got yeah. And these guys are straight up chaotic evil. They are the orcs and the Urukai from Lord of the Rings in a modern uh goth Detroit setting.
0: I would uh, I I would say the difference being they are not faceless and nameless.
1: Um no they do they do each have their own distinct character Yeah, that's a good point. Each one has their own personality uh, um, as well as their own particular vice.
0: And I would say as an interesting arc for them as a group, they become more and more sympathetic as the film goes on. Progressively. The first guy is first guy just killed in an action. You know, he, he's fighting he dies. Good. He dies. Second guy is more brutal and you're more experiencing his pain by the third guy. You're experiencing his fear and you almost feel a little bad for T-Bird. By the time you get to mm-hmm. skank, you're if, like, skank, if Skank had been allowed a to live, oh poor Skank! Yeah, so so like it's it's interesting the the progression of of that as well. So I, I don't want to quite put them in the in in just the the Orukai, uh, henchman henchmen. No, phase that's true. Uh, yeah, I
1: got that's just in terms of their their view of the world. I should th- say. Them at the beginning uh, of the yeah. film,
0: I would say that's true. I mean, when they're mm-hmm. when they're swallowing bullets, holy shit! Sorry, <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah um has got a badass yeah and putting and putting like like cigarettes out on their tongue because you know
1: mhm cuz like it's really do, important that you understand how hardcore these guys are these these guys these are
0: bad guys um yeah. uh and then you have, you have basically zombie eric uh coming to life i love um you know his his scene his resurrection scene is interspersed with their introduction scene as well so yeah, you're watching yeah i thought it was
1: a neat idea
0: yeah um and the absence of the actor um forced them in his resurrection scene, with the exception of very few shots, not to show his face really until after he's got the makeup on, which doesn't not work yeah it's it's you never see him without his makeup in well no, you do you see his face as he's getting the shoes actually when he's walking mm-hmm. through the the alley, but for the most part like it's it's an emo- and, and it's cut- interspersed. With flashbacks to the to the the rape, which is interesting. here's an interesting thing for you. How do you feel about you know they they only flash back to his murder at the beginning of the film, and he goes through the the very jesus like like mm-hmm. like poses while he's getting murdered yeah um, and the rest of the movie he flashes back to the rape he was not present for.
1: I did notice that i I did sort of I, I mean that one can be easily hand waved aside. Um, you know, it certainly could be even just his envisioning of how it went down. I mean, um, yeah, I, think I mean, that's I what did like that. Me. Yeah, I think, and it's also just like I do like the fact that for the majority of the flashbacks a- after that moment, you know, after the first, you know, born in pain moment, um, most of the flashbacks are of you know the best moments in their relationship. Uh, and which her was sweet. Yes, although not. Although again, what you know, thinking back on the film now, I didn't feel like it happened that much during the film. I, mm. after that first instance, to me, what really jumped out at me were much more the you know the loving moments.
0: Yeah, the, the loving moments do do stick out. The, the flashbacks to the rape happen when he confronts the mm-hmm. um the, the, in the
1: in which it's plot appropriate for those flashbacks to happen. Now, I yeah. think
0: this is what appealed to me as an eighteen-year-old. Um mm-hmm. uh there's a movie that we'll will never talk about here. Um uh another controversial movie called uh Eyes Wide Shut. Have you seen it?
1: I have actually not. I've I've seen scenes from It's it. Stanley Kubrick's last movie, and it's not without you can it. probably guess what scenes, but <laughs> I've seen yes. the, I've seen
0: certain <laughs> scenes over and over and over again. Over and over. I mean what? <laughs> I've seen like the same <laughs> three minutes. Um there is uh there is um a in the watching the film, which is not without its problems. um, uh, One of the things that Tom Cruise's character deals with in that film is, uh, is knowing that his wife um, is fantasizing about other men. And you see him when he closes his eyes, envisioning her with those other men. And when Mm -hmm. you are an 18 year old jealous boyfriend, uh, which I was. I totally yeah. was. I was that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the guy giving the girlfriend a hard time about the guy she was with before. I was that guy. Um, mm-hmm. The way that that preys on your brain is exactly what's here. You think about your good times. You're always in the past, right? You're always living in the past, especially when you're super insecure. You're always living in the past. you think thinking about your good times. And then your brain mm-hmm. flashes to your imagining This person, especially when, you know, sexuality is all very new and like you, it's you, you're you're trying to wrap your head around the way it's supposed to Mm -hmm. work and be. Um, and, and you are imagining in your head what they were doing with this other person. And that's the thing that eats at you and eats at you and eats at you. So Mm -hmm. you take that to its nth degree because, of course, you, the, the way this works is that you, you then paint your, you know, your high school girlfriend as the victim and you paint the other guys as the, as the seedy guys trying to get her to do stuff with them. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's the picture you now have in your head. And then you're the hero. So, so what you're getting in these flashbacks, flashing back to our good times, flashing back to how they spoiled her, um, which is, of course, it's, it's unhealthy and wrong and not the way that people should think about. And it's, it's object Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of objectification, but that's what I think like appeals to that adolescent, you know, fantasy. Yeah. So essentially, is, is,
1: I, I think what you're saying is, uh, while we certainly disagree with the objective they were trying to achieve in that moment, the way they achieved it was successful.
0: Yeah. And I don't even know if I want to say I disagree with the objective they were trying to achieve, except to say that it's good that we moved on from that kind of story. Mm-hmm. Like that's been done to death, you know. Yeah. Time for new things. Um, let's empower women. Um, there but- is
1: one thing. Um, let, me, let me jump into that just a little bit. I'm just looking through my notes for things that would uh, tie in. Uh, I will say, you know, because we talk a lot. We, we have been talking a lot about, uh, you know, oh, the objectification of women and everything in this. There, there is one thing about goth culture that I realized watching this film that actually is, I think, really great. And that is it is not afraid to show male grief. Um, yes this guy like eric draven he is not a tough guy that just you know we see the you know where we see the the conflict in his eyes but other than that he's just got this steely face no he breaks down and wails he cries he he fully experiences his emotions sadness pain um, and rage yeah and the and especially when this film came out you know most of the you know tough male protagonist films did not have that at all uh it was so that aspect of it I really kind of i, I really kind of dug
0: yeah, no I think and and again, and we'll get to it in a couple of minutes when we talk about whether or not it's a superhero film, but it, it is I think it is why it spoke to. So much. Um, it's not just the style and the music, which also did speak to, to, mm-hmm. to people very, yeah. very
1: much. Oh my God. I just I have to say, it, like to me, the, the the absolute iconic moment in the film where I was like, oh my God, this is so goth. I love it so much. Is when he is up on the rooftop wailing with his electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, you know, with like the red sky behind him. I was like, this is so epic. And it's so. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's everything. So I unapo- be. It's so <laughs> unapologetically so.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's 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 you know, if if superhero, you know, if you look at a character like Spider Man, um, that is is nerd wish fulfillment, right? That's like mm-hmm. I'm a nerd, nobody likes me. I'm a nerd, nobody likes me. I'm I'm you know bullied at school. It's the ultimate of the Charles Atlas ad, right? Or, or, you where know, mm-hmm. where you're the forty pound. Oh, the thing. guy yeah. kicking
1: sand into a yeah, th-
0: yeah. It's the ultimate. It's the ultimate version of that where where. What they don't know is that I am really powerful and and it can go and be a hero i mean that's that's that that that's that fantasy fulfillment um what this fantasy fulfillment is is that is that I am misunderstood and life is hard and i'm in so much pain and i'm so sad, and that gives me power, and that power mm-hmm. lets me vanquish the people who don't get it
1: um that's a good point it is it is our um, it is our emotions that give us power. Uh, it is our rage. It is our grief that give us strength. It's his which, sadness.
0: I mean, Sarah says it's the sadness yeah. that makes him come back.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I I think there's really something to that. Um, I think
0: it's interesting. Oh, well, first of all, before we move on to that, I do want to say one of the reasons this works so well
1: is the performance by Brandon Lee. Um, He's charming. I'd never really see him do anything before. You know, the first thing I thought I was like, "Oh, this is a film with the Joker as the good guy." But his his playful moments are really quite wonderful. And um, there's a lot of it. There's the, a lot of humor actually in the film. Dark there's humor, a lot humor. of humor that he does, and it's and it doesn't come off. I mean, with the wrong portrayal of it, it could come off as forced, as the guy obviously trying to be this sort of trickster thing. But it comes very naturally to him. Um yeah, he I plays really that well? enjoyed the, the, the pathos. I enjoyed he does every well. scene. Yeah, I enjoyed every moment that he was in. Uh um, also, uh Michael Wincott, is it? Yeah, let's
0: the, Michael Michael Wincott yeah.
1: doing doing what British actors did back then do, when they're trying to be. Yeah, American. And, at first my first thought was like did this guy play Guy of Gisborne and Robin Hood Prince of Thieves? You certainly do. Uh yes indeed. And he also was great. He God, he I didn't need to know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. He didn't but the best part was he he actually didn't chew the scenery. He was a lot more honest and sincere in his evil than I thought he would be. Yeah. Uh, so it it worked. It, he was a very fitting um what well, in a way it makes sense because here was somebody who was completely in control of his evil. And yeah. interesting. You know, whereas for the four henchmen, they were they were prisoners of their own lust for for chaos. Uh he uh, top Dollar, he is absolutely the master of it, which makes him a good, uh, a good foil to uh, Eric Draven, who is also uh, very much just purely driven by emotion.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that I think that you know to spend a moment on on Top Dollar, I think that I just love how evil he is. He's just the most evil. Um, yeah. He is. He is. He's more evil than the Joker. He's the most evil. He cuts out people's eyes and burns them and inhales the smoke while doing coke and stabbing people through the throat. He's mm-hmm. just like he. He lives above a goth club, which, which that's what I thought all clubs were like. I was scared to go. Um, yeah. Uh, he like <laughs> he's setting fires just because he's doing it, but he's not well, chaotic about the- it. It's like, it's like his job. It's like he's the CEO of fire setting.
1: Um, yeah, he's he's an artist, too. with well, the fact that he has that scene that he's just like, "Guys, that we been it was cool initially, but now fire setting has become so passé and they're saying what you're saying we should stop." And he's like, "No, I'm saying we need to really up our game." Yeah. Uh like and so it's sort of he he from a D&D perspective, to me, he's the perfect example of neutral evil. He uses evil for his own advancement, certainly uh, you know, a lot of business deals and everything like that. But he still enjoys pain for pain's sake. It's like as well. It's like if if
0: Lex Luthor and Satan had a baby um yes I just, very uh, much I, oh, he's he's a he's a
1: fantastic villain i yeah. I, I, I totally dug him.
0: <laughs> um uh, it's 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 a wonderful performance in that in that we could spend forever on all the performances. Let's just say that mm-hmm. that there is not um with the exception possibly of Darla. There is not a weak performance in the film. By the way, we, let's do one more performance to talk about, which is, of course, Ernie Hudson as Officer Albrecht.
1: Oh, um, Winston. He's so good in more this. more to do. He's great. He's so he's, good in this. He's, he's, just, he's everything that he needs to be uh, yeah. as, the, as the, to a certain degree, the, I'm getting too old for this kind of cop. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is also a, uh, the supporting cop archetype, the cop who supports the hero. Uh, but there's a hauntedness to well. his
0: character that mm-hmm. that as much as I like Winston and I do like Winston I when I think of Ernie Hudson, Officer Albrecht is who I think of.
1: Um No, I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is a wonderful role for him.
0: Yeah, he is he is um giving a lot to the performance. I feel like he's sidelined to be the funny cop guy. Um like at the end when they need to punch up a scene, you know, so many cops think they're giving away donuts. Like, okay, I get what you're doing. He, now he's Eddie Murphy. He's Eddie Murphy for a little bit, um, yeah. uh, but when he's not doing that shtick, um, I I love what he's bringing. To the, there's a sensitivity he's bringing to the role that I I think is mm-hmm. is especially in the scene in his apartment, um, which is yeah maybe one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie where that you still have your hat on. Um, mm-hmm. the conversation, the fact that he's getting divorced, you know, the the everything, nothing is trivial. Of course, again, what a thing to appeal to an 18 year old emo kid, right? Nothing is trivial, yeah, right? It, nothing. What, I'll is tell you. Can I tell you something? Eric Draven's unbelievably is unbelievably wrong. He's wrong. Lots of things are trivial. And if you go mm-hmm. through the, thinking nothing is trivial, works really well when you're 18 years old and your romances yeah. are going to last 11 months. <laughs> yes, nothing is trivial. I've been married 21 years. Can I tell you something? There's lots of trivial stuff. And if you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you make,
1: and if you think that they're not trivial, you, if, if you're you making, if you're trivial, truly walking around
0: your life saying nothing is trivial, you're going
1: to get oh divorced. God, God help you. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's not like, going to end. Wh- this is not going to end how no. you think. <laughs> but um we're the time. I, what I loved about that film, the I really liked uh, at the very end of that scene uh, where he just says, "Oh, so you're going to just fly out the window again?" And uh, Draven replies, "Well," in almost sort of like a. A slightly pained, uh, needy way of well, I was going to use your front door, and then does it that way. That instantly establishes the relationship has now gone from dark hero supporting cop to they are friends. Yeah, like the act of I am walking out your front door. Um, that moment it says a lot without without having to go like so we're friends now. Like it, it's I, I love anytime something. Says so much without actually saying it.
0: So let's go really briefly through the uh, through the uh, six major set pieces. And uh, the first one, the first four being, of course, the uh, the the taking out of the four killers. Starting with Tintin. What did you think of the Tintin knife fight? Because in 1994, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it was – I remember watching it and I remember specifically thinking, man, if I were seeing this in 1994, I'd be really impressed right now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I was – yeah, the only actual fight um, I was actually impressed with as in like, cool, I'm digging this as in like present day me is digging this, is the uh, is the one against many uh, where he just takes out like yeah. all yeah. of Top Dollar's henchmen. Um, everything else was, you know, was fine for the 90s. Um, I mean, I think I, that,
0: I mean, each scene does something di- different. I think that, that the first one, the the, the Tintin night fight, you know, lets him, you know, he dodges two knives and he catches one and he throws it. And that's the cool thing. But he does kind of like, there's a brutality to the beginning of it where they're struggling in the mud and mm-hmm. the puddles and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's something about it that just really, that's probably my favorite of them. Um, the next one, uh, the next one is a fun boy um, where he breaks into fun boy's house. Um. My favorite moment in that whole scene, and there are problems with that scene. You know, I, I don't really love mm-hmm. jokes about religion. Um, I feel like it's deliberately offensive, the Jesus Christ joke. Mm-hmm. Um uh and I thought that the effect on the hand didn't quite work. Um mm-hmm. clearly it was a model hand he was looking through. Let, it wasn't that great. Let me
1: guess what your favorite moment in that scene is. Or I'm gonna, sure well, I'll say what my favorite moment is is where essentially where he gets shot and then he goes ah screams and then screams so that we see him at the camera and we just see the look of him rolling his eyes <laughs> that's my favorite turning back I love to it. him yeah oh no it's great it. it like that to me that was the moment i was like oh i like brandon lee cool yes
0: oh he was just like <laughs> just having none of it it was so fun so yes um and then uh and then again the brutality of 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 that scene and and the line look what you've done to my sheets is the greatest, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> what you got? My, my sheets. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, the third one. Um, the third one being T Bird's uh, T Bird's death, um, mm-hmm. which is one. It's a pretty good little car chase. Car chase. Um, uh, but two. Um, it's so dark. It's so. This is the biggest revenge, I think, of all mm-hmm. of them. This is like oh, very uh, much so. As yeah. he's
1: begging for his life. Begging, yeah. begging, 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 begging. You know. Yeah. Because they're having this foot because of the length of the car chase, they actually have time to have this conversation. Uh yeah. so you really reveal a lot of uh, T Bird's character.
0: We killed you dead, man. There ain't no coming back. Yeah, that that whole thing is, you mm-hmm. know it's T Bird's such an interesting character. Of course, he's also the evilest of the evil. I will rape mm-hmm. you while reading you the satanic Bible, telling you how lovely pornography is. Like it's just like mm-hmm. like like like, like he's I'm surprised he didn't have, you know, like a, like, like a, a swastika on his forehead or something. Like he was just mm-hmm.
1: the, the... The evilest.
0: Yeah, the evilest. Um, and then, of course, uh, and, and you have the fire crow on the ground, which is great for posters. Mm-hmm. It, you know, yeah. it, that's a big crow to make with a little thing of lighter fluid, but I'll let him have it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have... Uh, he comes after a skank, and when he comes after a skank, he uh, shows up to a big room full of guys with guns.
1: Um, Well, the thing that I kind of like about it, we talk about like each of the four revenge kills, uh, excluding top dollar, uh, each one has their I really do like how each one has their own emotional personality, their own take Uh, for Skank, who obviously was the omega of that pack. uh, You know, I I also kind of like that, you know, T-Bird gets his own like fully focused, uh, you know, like long death thing. And poor Skank. His scene is really more about the crow tearing through all the other guys, and then his death is almost an afterthought. Almost it's just like, dude, you are so washed up and miserable and pathetic it, that you don't even what, warrant your own death. You don't even warrant your own death moment. Like. But it's
0: a great way to transition into the next level, you know, into the third mm-hmm. act. You know,
1: like, like, okay, yeah. time
0: to go to the third act. Um, uh, what did you, as a fight choreographer, what did you think of the, of the scene itself?
1: I liked it. I thought it was a it was a very cool pre Matrix, uh, yeah. you know, essential combination of it's like you said it was it was straight up martial arts with guns. Um, it was nifty. Um, I think it, if it had been made ten years later, there sure would have been a whole lot more flippity floppity or flippity stuff. Um, and I'm glad there wasn't. I'm just glad yeah. it was. But no, it, it feels yeah. raw. It like feels much more raw. Yeah. yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it didn't have me on the edge of my seat. But I was sitting there watching, and you know, just sort of nodding, and being like, "Okay, cool." I'm
0: never tense in this movie, but I find the movie to be very cathartic. Like when he blows up, when he blows up Gideon's pawn shop, I just find that to be but another one of my favorite scenes. I just mm-hmm. find it to be cathartic. He shows up,
1: cathartic stuff. Great at the, f- phrase for the, yeah. At I the didn't end of I him mean,
0: doing stuff every time he's done doing the thing he's doing. I'm like,
1: yeah. Like, I well, well just, that's the thing. I know. didn't. I didn't feel catharsis watching this film, but that's because I was not in any kind of emotional pain when I was watching this film. This film is—I mean—I wrote down. This film is raw emotion made manifest in movie form.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, um, so it's I,
1: yeah. So the so the degree to which this film will move you will have a lot to do with what emotional state you're in when you watch it. I feel like the
0: end fight, um, and really the third act of the film. I feel like it sort of collapses into a bit. It becomes a bit generic. By the end, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's you know it's you know Highlander three. You know, it's like it's, it's I,
1: I I so wrote down. Oh, the sword fighting is so Highlander.
0: Yeah, and not good and, Highlander. I, and like I, Highlander. And I, I don't t- I don't mean TV that as a compliment. Show. Yeah, the Highlander TV show has great sword fighting um, because Adrian Paul is a really good guy with the sword. Um, but this was you know it was forced and it didn't and and it was just kind of like running to the church for a shootout. It's it's I feel like the the emotional. Weight of the film, it collapses a little bit at the end. Um, but it's not mm-hmm. terrible by any stretch. It's just not.
1: Yeah, it's just. You know, it, it doesn't yeah, live I mean, up to the first the, two acts. The The story of the third act, I liked the execution. You know, it was the execution that faltered. The whole, you know, the the kill shot, essentially. You know, because, of course, there's got to be a cool way through which the hero defeats the villain. Um, and the whole idea of I am giving you all this pain that you gave to somebody I like else. that. Story wise, that's great. That works really well. Everything leading um, up to it
0: is is yeah. You know, I did. Fun. I mean,
1: I kind of liked the uh, you know when the the crow turns around, pecks out Ling's eyes, and then when she falls, the fact that she turns, she grabs onto the rope of the bell tower briefly, just enough to ring the bell before she falls. To me, I'm just like, see, they're just doing that because it's like, oh, when the bell rings, and that makes it more yeah. epic. Again, yeah. so goth,
0: and again, like I. This is kind of how I ended Ninjas vs Zombies. Is the end of this film, Um, but but you know they could have done more with the resources that they had. That being said, Mm -hmm. you get through the end; it's good. You you reach the end. There's there's the the film ends a little abruptly. Like Sarah has a little narration, and then film's over. Um, Yeah. So uh, before we get to whether or not we like the film, there's the question you and I have been asking each other, uh, or you've been asking me: Mm -hmm. Is this a superhero movie?
1: Now, let me give my take on this. Sure. Um, This, to me, is not a superhero film. This is a revenge tragedy of the type that was super popular like in Shakespeare's time. Uh, You might actually be very interested in this. There's a film, or there was a play specifically called The Revenger's Tragedy, uh, and there was a film that was, uh, it was a contemporary of Shakespeare who wrote it. Um, There was a film made in the 90s Uh, It was essentially the British version of The Crow starring Christopher Christopher Eccleston of Ninth Doctor fame, uh, Derek Jacoby, Eddie Izzard. And it was essentially – it's about this guy who – and who's talking to the camera the whole time, soliloquizing about he had this wife who he was so desperately in love with to the degree that he actually still has her skull with him and he talks to and it's just about him systematically going through and killing everybody who was involved in her death. Um and that is what this film is. This is a film about revenge and about the and it provides artistic ways in which each revenge happens. Um the moment for me when by my own definition at least it I decided this is definitely not a superhero film is when Eric Draven walks into the conference full of all of these bad guys, you know, who are clearly up to no good, clearly responsible for all the fires around the city. Um, And he turns to Skank, points to him, and says, I just want him. Uh, There is this sense that the only reason why Draven is back is to kill the people who hurt Sarah. And by extent, not Sarah, um, Shelley. And by extension, hurt him. Had Top Dollar not kidnapped Sarah, which he did to sort of get after the crow, to to get him to to get uh, Draven to come after him. Had Top Dollar not done that, we were literally seeing him about to go to sleep in his grave. Like after he had killed Skank, he actually said, "Cool, I'm done." And so, to me. There's I mean, yes, he certainly had superpowers, but to me, the question of what does it mean to be a hero, my answer to that is you need to be motivated by something other than straight up revenge uh He was not interested in necessarily improving the lot of the community or those around him uh that is that is my take on it that's interesting um i
0: you know we talked about death Wish um. There are two ways to take this film. Um, mm. uh, the first way is to say it's an inverted Freddy Krueger movie, uh, wherein uh, the Tintin, Funboy, Skank, and T-Bird are the uh, four, esot- four, four esoteric teenagers who would never be friends Oh, I together, like that. Yeah. Um, who all have one thing about them uh, that Freddy then shows up and exploits in in magnificent ways to kill them.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, this is this is very much it is the scary joker as a bad guy it's, inverted it's, into now the scary joker is the good guy. Yeah,
0: it's a it's a it, and it's a late elm street film. It's like Nightmare in Elm Street 4, right? Where the girl mm-hmm. who's asthmatic gets killed by her asthma or the or or 5 where the guy who likes comic books gets turned into a comic book and killed. Um mm-hmm. it's very much in the vein of of that and it's it's structurally it's exactly like a Nightmare in Elm Street movie.
1: Um uh that being That's said, a nice I like that. Yeah.
0: That being said, um it can be argued whether or not Eric Draven is a hero. I don't think you need to be a hero in order to be in a superhero film um you know, I wouldn't say the Punisher is a hero, but those are certainly superhero movies um in some hmm. ways uh Batman is not always uh is not always a hero um He always ends up being a hero by the end, but Eric is really is is you know one could argue that that Superman and Batman v Superman is not as heroic as he should be um uh so eric i don't know if he just wants to sleep in his grave or if like he's not really supposed to like if he's constrained by the rules of of what the crow is allowing him to do he you know he can't come back to life and just do whatever he wants the crow has brought mm-hmm. him back to do to a, a specific goal and he i think is,
1: that's there's a bit of headcanon in that but i could i could go along with that yeah Yeah.
0: You know, because I sort of feel like I sort of feel like he has to say he's just there for Skank, but he knows why he's there. He didn't wait for Skank to leave that room. He didn't, you know, sneak up on Skank at some later time. You know, I think mm-hmm. that 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 there's there's a way to look at that. But it is, you know, while it can be argued he's not terribly heroic, it is also structurally just like every other superhero movie.
1: It's yes, just no, like- structurally it has very much the you know the with the reveals of the different powers that he has. And everything yeah, he's like got, that. he's yeah. got,
0: he's, he's, he is a person who was not super, who through extraordinary circumstances gained superpowers. You know, Shelley Webster is his uncle Ben, um, mm-hmm. or, or Bruce Wayne's parents that motivate him to go and, and stop the bad guys using his, his superpowers. Um, yeah. so, you know, filled with requisite explosions and action scenes. Um, so, I believe that it certainly belongs in, in you know, if you're going to make a list of superhero movies, it certainly belongs on that list. I mean, uh,
1: yeah, I don't, you know, when I watched this or something, I was, you know, I didn't think, God, Justin was crazy to consider this on the list. Like, it's it does fall under a slightly different definition than I do, but again, it's sort of... I have a feeling that our own definition of what is a superhero film as well as the definitions that our viewers have, the goal of – one of the goals of this podcast is to f- more fully flesh out, okay, what counts in the genre? And by definition, there's going to be movies that exist in the gray edges of the genre. And or the I think bright edges, edges certainly... of the genre
0: in that one day we're going to have to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. And yeah. we're going to have to go, okay, this is a Marvel movie. They're going to interact with the Avengers. We have mm-hmm. to talk about them.
1: But is this more space opera in the style of Buckaroo Banzai and yeah. the fourth yeah. dimension? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. So, Good point. So,
0: but I think what it has is the char- characters in that movie are superheroes. They have powers and they fight with swords and they, you know, they mm-hmm. do heroic things. Like I think that that the superhero films are often marked by singular exceptionalism. Um, yeah. You know, you have, oh, that's a nice a guy, that's a,
1: you have you have the yeah, the 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 superhero protagonist. the yeah. Certainly, who, who is. I mean, the, there's is, certainly a mythic elevate. quality to this film. Um and <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm just like, with the possible exception of Batman, this is certainly the only superhero film you would ever get a true goth to see and be yeah. into.
0: Um uh so that is or Blade. Uh so we are the only thing we have left then is uh is how we rate it out of five. Um, uh, mm-hmm. For those of you tuning in for the first time, five. Uh, in order to get a five, it has to be both a good film and important in some way. In order to get a zero, it has to be both a bad film and destructive in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, scale it one to five. Uh, how do you rate it, and why?
1: Uh, I would. I was waffling between two point five and two on it. Um, really? The uh, well, and because here is the thing. It's there was a, and don't get me wrong. And this is what the there's a lot that I kind of enjoyed about it. Um, On the surface, from a a purely execution standpoint, it rates a solid three, especially when uh, judging it by the standards of its time with the 90s. Um, You know what? I will say I will rate this a 2.5. And the reason why I I will rate it a 2.5 instead of a three um, is because of the issues that we talked about at the very beginning of this. Um, The there are a number uh, this is not a healthy film it is a film that wonderfully encapsulates uh you know a lot, as you say exactly a lot of the angst uh that high schoolers uh hey, you know or young adults go through i mean you know if this were if this film were made now linkin park would be the soundtrack underneath all of it um
0: 10 years ago but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah well yeah cause that, I'm now so i'm old. dating myself uh, so old uh but uh You know, but you know, and even things like the fridging aside, it it stuck with me that I was like, "There's," it it stuck with me a little bit that the only motivation in this film really seemed to be revenge, Um, and uh, so so yeah, I yeah, I think that you know that that captures it for me. Two point five, not a movie that I would recommend to everyone, but if there's somebody who is just like, I mean, if you're interested in the genre, then. Uh, then it's certainly uh then it's certainly worth watching.
0: I'm gonna give this movie a four point five.
1: I absolutely expected that for you.
0: Um uh I can't give it a five um for the reasons that we that we discussed and I'll talk about that in a second. And I can't give it a five because you know, you know spoiler alert for the Avengers, I'm going to give the Avengers a five. Um mm-hmm. uh a five is is a difficult thing to get. Yeah. Um uh one, the fridging thing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that this movie on its own is that problematic. Um no. I think I think this movie in that this has done so much back then is problematic. I don't think that's a movie point. I don't think a movie where a man gets revenge because of something that happens to his wife is 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 necessarily bad. I think that Oh, a, that's
1: true. The only thing that really makes it bad is that it's when you factor in the sheer number of those films that are made. Yeah. Like each movie on an individual level is not – especially from this era is yeah. not necessarily yeah, – And
0: keeping in it. mind, they are not exploitative – in in what they do you do not see shelly's broken body you do not see you know they don't they don't rip open her bra and show her boobs and show her you know they they it's done you know the rape happens from her perspective you do she has no nudity in the film uh they you never see anything happening from the waist down in these scenes and this is a rated r film they could have there are films where they have go watch i spit on your grave point um, they're, they're, they, they handle it in such a way it, that I don't want to say respectful because respectful is not really the word, but it's, it's, they, they handle it in such a way that it's not exploitative. And so it's much less problematic, um, for me, why I think this is a good film. Um, it's, a, a, in terms of being a good film, I would give it a four, um, in that it's, you know, for its time, it does a lot for now. I still find some scenes to be really exhilarating. Um, as opposed to like Superman when we saw it, it was not exhilarating for me anymore. But there, there are scenes in mm-hmm. here that are just cool. Like that gunfight is cool today. And the Gideon scene is cool today. And the character of Eric Draven is cool today. So as, as a good film, I would give it a four. As an important film, yeah, you're right. It's not healthy. Um, but there is a necessity, um, for good films that are not healthy. There Mm. is a cathartic necessity. I don't think that this movie caused me to become more unhealthy, but I think it did give me a focus for these very difficult feelings that I was having. Feelings that I very nice distinction. Feelings that I don't blame at all on the poor girl that I was dating. Um, uh, But feelings that I blame you absolutely on on my own. Teenage angst, and there needs to yeah. be—you—it's know, the reason why you have—you know, violent music, and and you know, whether it be whether you're talking about gangster rap or you're talking about you know Nine Inch Nails from the time. It's an
1: expression of a very real emotion that should not be suppressed. Where um, there are healthy ways that you know, and we can di- we can always debate about the healthy ways to express it, but we cannot ignore. Those emotions,
0: yeah, and and it's one of the reasons that I am a fan of some horror. That I think that there is, and even some exploitative horror. I'm Like I like slasher movies. I like to watch guts um, because at the end of it, um, I am in. Whew, I can breathe a little easier. I can, I can, you know, mm-hmm. whatever darkness or, or angst or stress is in me is sort of relieved. Um, well, you're le-
1: talking about catharsis. I mean, and there's a, there's a lot of great f- film and theater critics all the way back to Aristotle who would completely agree with you.
0: Um. So so where you feel like the what the film does drags it from a three down to a two point five, I feel that where the what the film does drags it up from a four to a four point five. Um. But I think our very our 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 huge disagreement on this film, I think, does uh, reinforce your statement that this is probably not a film for everybody. Not everyone will love this. Um, mm-hmm. but there are some people that will love this. Yeah. Oh um, no, this is totally this, a film this, this worth will be worth watching this right will be person. some people's favorite film. This is still yeah. going to be someone's
1: lots of people's this favorite. Everything film. about this film is this film is a perfect example of a cult classic.
0: Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that, cool. but not, but not in a Rocky Horror type of cult classic. No, in, in a no, way that... not
1: not in an ironic go, but like in a legitimate, you know, yeah. uh, in a legitimate sort of way.
0: Um, so right, that's well,
1: that's the Crow, guys. Yeah, um, we need to wrap things up for uh. Today, yes. And, uh, so next time, we, we have, not, I, I we have I, not yet decided what we're going to do next time. It's going we'll to be something lighter. That, I promise you. Yeah, I promise definitely you something lighter. There,
0: we'll, I will. I will give you a rape-free guarantee. The <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: um, I would just wish there could be like a little seal of quality. <laughs> you know. oh, episode, this... you know, episode th- episode four. <laughs> this time with one hundred percent less rape. I know. <laughs> All right, uh, my name is Justin. <laughs> and my, my name is Arthur. <laughs> and uh,
0: how do we end this? Be super? How, what do we say?
1: Yeah. Oh, no, that was, you know, was it stay super? What, stay, super! You know uh, stay super! Stay <laughs> super! And remember, kids, stay super. Stay super. super.
0: Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to GeeksRadio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not safe for work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Enlight Entertainment.